Hello, welcome to From the Rooker End. My name is John. I'm on a train with some other people. We'll get to them in a minute. Uh, just coming out of Working Station on our way to Southampton for the fourth round of the Football Association's Challenge Cup, uh, where Watford will be taking on Southampton this afternoon. I'm with Kieran. Hello. Mike. You're not going to get any free flights. It's the FA Challenge Cup sponsored by... Emirates. That's Emirates. Uh, I'm looking for Australia or Dubai. <laughs> and Colin. Hello there. Uh, now, we, we are at the end of a week. If you listen to last week's podcast, uh, Mike and I uh, gathered to talk about um, Marco Silva leaving Watford Football Club as manager. And literally, as we finished with some clever editing, we were able to say that at the end of that podcast that... Javi Gracia is the new manager or head coach or whatever you can do. The man in charge of the first team uh, was was appointed. If you did listen to uh, what David Garrido sort of said uh, about um, about Javi, it was really really interesting. So do if you didn't listen to last week's podcast, uh, eight point three one, then please do. But Colin, it's a week on. How are you feeling? A week on. The Pozzo's can't do anything right. That's 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 the basic bottom line. So um, Everton takes something like three months to replace their manager, and uh, Watford decide to sack their manager on a Sunday morning, and uh, by five o'clock the new man is in place, and they get criticised for that as well. It's like, oh look, well, oh well, I don't know what that's all about. Normally it takes a couple of weeks to find a new coach. I was, by the way, I did look at the tweets between the tweet of Marco was leaving and the tweet that he was uh, that Have was arriving was eight hours and nineteen minutes. Which is impressive, I think. It's the right way to run a business. That's how you run things. You're organised, you're ahead of the game, you know what you're going to do. They've obviously been talking to Javi, or have, uh, how did you say it? Javi, yeah. Um, before, and uh, he was out of work, so there was no, I mean, he was doing a bit of work, but he basically wasn't in a job. He seems like a very different sort of man to the man we've just lost from what he's been saying this week. He, he has emphasised in his press conference over and over again, I'm not interested in transfers, I don't have time to worry about ins and outs, that's someone else's job, I'm here to coach the team and that, I've, got, you know, I've got five days to prepare the team for this match today. Uh, and all of that seems uh, seemed very positive. I mean, there's outrageous responses, of course, to the sacking of Marco Silva from all the kind of football punditry, except, I have to say, Ian Wright, who I thought uh, understood the situation better than most of them and thought that it was the right move for Watford because of the way that Marco had been so critical of, uh, and had appeared to be so uncommitted, even post the whole Everton thing, once that was put to bed, even after that, he seemed to be, oh, well, you know, they're not giving me who I want and I don't think that should... No, 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 no. And it was a lot of sulking and quite a lot of moaning. And uh, by Sunday evening, or by Monday evening, I guess, I sort of felt a sense of relief that the Marco Silva era was over because I had kind of become aware of how depressed I was getting by the endless talk of whether he, he wanted to stay and whether he was happy and what was going on and where the players were happy. And, and now I think we've got, there's, a, there's a new broom. He seems positive. He seems committed. He seems delighted to get this opportunity, as any coach would who's not managed in the Premier League before. A bit of head-scratching from the pundits because they had to rush off and ask their mates who know about European football who he was and what he was like. But everything that's come back has been positive about his attention to detail, his coaching ability, the way he is with players, his ability to get results, his his flexibility in terms of system according to who he's playing. Uh, so I'm excited uh, to answer the question. Uh, I'm excited to see if we can notice any differences in the way that basically the same 11 <laughs> players will play today as opposed to the way they played at Leicester, which was an improvement on the previous performance, but they, we did get beat quite easily and comfortably. So I hope that one thing we will notice is that we'll be a bit more robust and well organised at the back and, and maybe it'll be good to keep a clean sheet. Mike, you've, um, I want to know how you're feeling because you've had, um, you know, we always find doing this podcast uh, uh, therapeutic uh, to talk things through together. <clears throat> it's our little uh, group that we have once a week. Uh, but you've got to speak about it quite a lot. How many people, how many things, how many podcasts, how many television things have you done this week? Well, I've got, you might be able to pick it up. I've got a bit of a, a sort of husky voice and that's, there's three main reasons. One, because I had a Guinness at half past ten this morning. Uh, two, because I'm feeling a little bit, uh, little bit uh, under the weather. But three, as you rightly point out, mainly because I've been talking about Marco Silva, Watford, uh, the Pozzo model and the future pretty much non-stop for the, for the entire week. So I think it's not that, it's not loads, but I think I've done three podcasts, four if you include the one on Sunday, five if you include this one. Um, so three external ones went on Hawksby and Jacobs on TalkSport which was great always talk, always great to talk to those guys uh, and then rounded it off with the uh, 
talking on the as it Premier League today, I think, which is done by Premier League Productions, sponsored by the Emirates, <laughs> <laughs> and that's Australia or Dubai. Please, flexible on dates three three days either side. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been busy. I think I've enjoyed the opportunity because I think it gives us a chance to to get our side of the um, our side of the story across. But I think there's an element of you're predisposed as to how you want to react to this this news. Um, I would say it's pretty much a 50-50 split. Some people are genuinely interested in finding out a what the supporters' view is, and b what actually is happening, and what what's the what are the nuts and bolts, what are the real issues, and what's the what's the progress or lack of it that's being made at Watford. But you can feel it in the tone of the question, whether it's investigative or if they're trying to set you up uh, for the next question for the killer punch about well if you'd have if you hadn't have done that then he wouldn't have done that sort of thing. So one of the common themes is well. If you always get rid of your manager, can you blame Marco Silva for, for wanting to go to Everton? And the answer is, of course, I don't blame him for wanting to go to Everton. I do blame him for not for wanting to go after nine games of his of his current job. So you can you can tell by the line of questioning um, how people feel about it. Uh, I like to think that by the time we finished, they have certainly have an understanding of how I feel, which is positive, um, which is a backing the backing the club, back backing the Pozos. I think in in every interview. Uh, I, I said that it's important that we do take time to look inwards and and have a um, a sensible and honest assessment of where we think we are as a football club because on our on our Twitter account and in the various di- uh, interactions we have out there in the in the social media and in the real world, people say, well, is this it? Is this as far as we're going to go? It will actually be a new manager every every season or potentially less. So there are people asking the questions. I think it's important that us supporters we don't just blindly go forward and say, well, it'll be okay. They'll get like. Like Colin said, the, the noises about uh, about Javi Gracia are, are, are very good, but don't blindly accept it. It doesn't matter if he goes because they'll pluck a, a decent next head coach, or it doesn't matter if Richarlison and Decore or or Troy leave because they'll they'll pluck someone else. You know, we do ultimately we a bit of a bit of um, stability would be great, wouldn't it? Um, and and I think none of us would would argue against that. So it's important that whilst. I'm very, very happy and very, very confident being positive about the Pozos, being supportive, trying to explain what actually is going on. Whilst also, I think we need to maintain that critical friend element. Um, and I think I've been, I've been open about that. Kieran, I say Mike's been on a few uh, things this week. You, you have also, haven't you? Because uh, as everyone doesn't know, uh, Kieran uh, produces a podcast uh, and a website called Women's Soccer Zone. Uh, he's definitely uh, an expert in, the, in that side of, of football. You can trump Mike. You were on what television channel? I was on uh, the BBC News Channel and the BBC World Service, sponsored by the public. So. <laughs> Talk about Phil Neville and all the controversy and uh, conversation that's been going on about him being uh, England women's head coach. Uh, more controversial co- uh, than the Watford changing head coach? It shouldn't have been. It should have been entering uh, with a lot of positivity. Obviously, the previous manager, Mark Sampson, left under a cloud due to safeguarding issues. But unfortunately, Phil Neville comes into the role with no head coach experience, no experience of the women's game. And also some tweets from six, seven years ago were also unearthed that bordered on sexist, bordered on joking about domestic violence. So he's he's got some questions to answer. He's got his first media briefing this week. I'll be there. So I will be seeing firsthand the national mainstream press giving him a grilling because I'm certain that he's in for uh, some difficult questions. And I'm sure that he's been briefed very, very closely by the communications team at the FA because uh, he's got some difficult questions to answer and he's got some very difficult games coming up in, in the space of four weeks uh, at the beginning of March. Just uh, to remind everybody, where can we find out about you and your women's football stuff? Yeah, so the website is womenssoccerzone.com and uh, I'm on Twitter on at Wososone. So that's at Wososone, so that's W-O-S-O-Z-O-N-E. Uh, yeah, so if you uh, oh, yeah, that story is uh, grabbing your ears, then uh, do get in uh, following uh, Kieran. Uh, Kieran, we are, let, 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 yeah, we're moving on uh, from Marco. Uh, today, this podcast is about uh, the new man, the new team, the rest of this season and, and a big FA Cup run. For you, you know, we, Colin and, and Mike mentioned their memories of the FA Cup, what the FA Cup means to them. What does the FA Cup mean to you? And, and, and going in today, how are you feeling about, you know, just what for the fourth round of the FA Cup? I love the FA Cup. I used to fill in the old Premier League sticker books and I remember when you used to have every team, at the start of every page it had their honours 
on their page and it had obviously the the years they'd won the Premier League, the, the Division One, the FA Cup, the League Cup and obviously ours was always empty. For me it's always been a massive thing because I want that honour on our honours board. I'm not big on the, the way that the Premier League is kind of finishing fourth is seen as a success. I know you get into the Champions League but it's not, it doesn't go on your honours board. Finishing fourth is finishing fourth. Winning the FA Cup is huge and, and I remember having a debate with there's a guy we're talking about Mike being on Premier League Productions there's a guy who works for them who supports Wigan and I remember that having a, a conversation with him about a year ago about what was the big thing for you was it winning the FA Cup or was it about staying in the Premier League because obviously when Wigan won the FA Cup they got relegated the same season he said Kieran I would never exchange that feeling of winning the FA Cup I know we went down but if it meant losing that FA Cup final and staying up I wouldn't have wanted that we have an FA Cup on our honours board and I will never ever forget that day as a Wigan fan and for me I, I feel the same way I want that feeling of euphoria that comes with winning a major title and other than some some division titles further down the league that we've we've obviously won we've never had that feeling we've come close obviously with the semi-final against Crystal Palace a couple of years ago under under Kike and obviously we well we all know about 1984 but we've I want that feeling. The FA Cup is, is a huge competition. It's world-renowned. It's respected everywhere. They show it, you know, in the United States. They show it in different parts of the world. You know, we don't get the a lot of the competitions, cup competitions from other countries, but other countries get ours because it means so much. So I'm really looking forward to the to the game against Southampton today. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how uh, Hadi Graffia sets us up. I've been impressed with what I've seen um, in the press conference that he's had, and there's a lot of positive uh, response as well a lot of Spanish journalists Guillaume Balaguer had good things to say I think Sid Lowe who's based out in Spain said that he's a very highly respected coach so you know I know the other guys have had their say but I'm glad Marco Silva's gone I think the more I've read and the more I've heard since he's departed I, I kind of feel that he wasn't the right fit for us but I look at Javi Gracia he's coming early he's saying the right things I actually think we've got a coach who maybe fits Watford Football Club better than Marco Silva? Well, our mate DCW, who works at Talk Sports, uh, he was uh, lucky enough to be at the first press conference uh, and got to be around the uh, the new man, Javi, and uh, he sent us a little message uh, to say his first impressions of the new Watford head coach. Hi guys, just thought I would drop you a quick line, let you know about my first impressions of the new manager, Javi Gracia. Uh, I had the, uh, the the pleasure of meeting him very briefly this afternoon on Thursday, just after he gave his first press conference. And I'll be honest, my first impressions were very good, very positive. His English, which is the thing a lot of people focus on, is great, as I'm sure you've probably seen in a few interviews that he's done on TV and with the club and, and indeed in the press conference. Very good, very comfortable taking questions in English as well. There was no translator in the room, even some long and rambling questions he was able to follow and pretty much dealt with everything very well. He was very relaxed. He was very calm. He came across as very humble. He had a laugh with some reporters. He was able to talk a bit more about his his life away from football, as perhaps some of the uh, the previous incumbents have done. And uh, he seemed really pleased to be at Watford, very excited about the challenge that lies ahead. And he was asked, as you'd expect about transfers, repeatedly asked about transfers and does he want players to come in, does he want to keep hold of players or is he happy to see some players go out, but every single time he said, I don't know, it's not my job, my role is simply to coach the team. So he's very used to the Pozzo European model that we're all very used to now, but unlike his uh, his predecessor, Mr Silver, it seems he's very happy with the board's plans and whatever happens, he'll roll with it and he'll coach the players. He actually said a few times, look, I don't even have time to really coach the players as much as I would like to, let alone looking for new ones and getting bogged down in scouting and recruitment and all that stuff. He's quite happy for the club to get on with it and he'll see see what happens. He did mention that he'd worked with Amrabat before and that he's a player that he liked and did well for him at Malaga, but he doesn't know whether he's going to come back and if he does, great. If he doesn't, we carry on. It's up to the club. And also, of course, he was asked about the main man, Troy Deeney, who hasn't, as you may well be aware by this point, trained this week at all. He hasn't had the chance to really spend any time with him and see him in action, but he has spoke to him on the phone. So we'll see whether that 
has any ramifications or whether we can read anything more into that, whether it is indeed just a bit of illness. I guess, obviously, the comparisons are going to be made to Marco Silva and he does immediately come across as a very different type of personality. I had the the good fortune to meet Marco Silva a bit at the start of the season and Marco was very forthright. He was very sure of himself when asked about anything to do with football and his philosophy he was very clear very sharp and determined and very intense and you got the feeling that he was a man as it has proved to be in a hurry to go places and to get things done whereas Javi whilst I'm sure of course he's ambitious and wants to do well it seems he's more focused on the task in hand and obviously we know Silver maybe wasn't but hey maybe that's just a bit of hindsight but very keen appreciation of Watford not just as a football club but you mentioned that he's enjoyed seeing the town so far and that he's got his family with him and he wants to really commit to England and and enjoy his time here or he did recognize that perhaps his time won't be as long as maybe he'd like whether that comes to fruition and maybe he's only here for six months 18 months we'll see but he wants to be here for as long as possible and he's up for the challenge and I am pretty happy with what I saw. I'm confident that we've got a man who's going to take us forward. And I'm much, much, much more confident of staying up than I was this time last week. Final thing I guess I should uh, mention to you that I saw today as I was loitering around the training ground and waiting to speak to our new manager was I, for the very first time, set eyes on the mystery, the enigma that is Gino Pozzo. He was there in the canteen on his own, phone glued to his ear, probably trying to do some deals, get some players in, sell some players, who knows. But then I literally looked away for one second and he was gone. He vanished. There was no puff of smoke. I couldn't see a secret door anywhere, but he was there one second and gone the next. So maybe he does have some sort of magical power. But uh, he does very much continue and prove to be an enigmatic character, does our Gino. Maybe one day we'll hear from him. Who knows? But yeah, thumbs up from me on our new man, Javi Gracia. Let's hope he gets off to a winning start at St Mary's on Saturday. Come on, you horns. A podcast made by Watford fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. We're still on the train here uh, on our way to Southampton and, uh, uh, you know, we, we, to line the podcast a bit, we've had a couple of heavy weeks with all this uh, Marco in, Marco out, Marco, when are you going to go? Uh, it's all been sorted out now, so we, it's a positive future to come. So I have designed on this very special FA Cup fourth round day a quiz uh, at Watford in the FA Cup. Uh, we have two teams, Mike and Kieran. Uh, have you decided on your team name? We have, Your Honour. Um, those who haven't seen us in real life might not know that Kieran and I are both follically challenged two ball chaps and so we are the uh, happy egg company (laughs) so the happy egg company against Oh, well, it's, I mean, that's just such a good... Well, ours is so boring. We're from Kentish Town, so we're the Kentish Horns. So it's Colin and uh, his daughter Florence. So there are uh, ten questions. Uh, I'd like to thank straight away before we start uh, Jason Bailey, Lana Burney and Ollie Wicken for help with some of these questions. Uh, they're all based around Watford in the FA Cup. You have question sheets in front of you. All you have to do is write the answers in the uh, associated box that I have given you on your answer sheet. Question one. What do Garbit... Riley, Alan, Gale, Bowatza, and Dini have in common. I know that one. <laughs> they all play for Falker. <laughs> Question two. I'm just folding the sheet over so that I'm sitting about a, about a foot away from Mike, and I know that he's going to look at my answers. This trip started so friendly. You've had one beer, and already you're worried about the poor old happy egg company. <laughs> Question two. How many goals did Watford score? in the run towards the FA Cup final in 1984. How many goals? How many goals did Watford score in the run towards the FA Cup final in 1984? Well, I know three of the results. So then there's two results I'm not sure about. Or two. Question three. Name all the stadiums Watford have played an FA Cup semi-final. Name all the stadiums Watford have played an FA Cup semi-final. Stadio de Luz, uh, yeah. the Burnabout. Yeah. 
Oh, look, you see, they're, they're, just, they're just such conspirators over there. <laughs> you're the one that's folding your blooming paper sheet over. Well, I hope you're not sitting near me in the ground. I'll be sitting next to you. You won't. I'm going to sit with the Southampton fans. <laughs> Question four. Question four. Question four. Question four. In 1970, Watford and Manchester United were the first clubs to do what in the FA Cup? In 1970, Watford and Manchester United were the first clubs to do what in the FA Cup? Blank faces. I've got it. No. <laughs> I have. I know. Yeah, I know the answer, yeah. <laughs> Is that true, Michael? Or are you just sort of trying to put Colin off? I just said I know the answer. <laughs> Colin, were you supporting Watford at that point? I was, yeah. Second season. Ah. I wasn't able to go to any of those, that run, that cup run. I had to go and stay with my mate Philip White because <laughs> my mum wouldn't take me to them. So I missed the whole run. Shout out to you, Philip White. Yeah, good old Philip White. <laughs> and I used to stay with him and his mum and we used to watch it on the telly, you know, the old ticker tape. Sorry, did you say, did you say 1970? In 1970. Oh. You know when I said I knew? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, this will be uh, something you would have learned. Question five, for a point each, name the teams that Watford knocked out of the FA Cup in the 1990s. For a point each, name all the teams that Watford knocked out of the FA Cup in the 1990s. (laughs) That's insane. You do realise we're going to Southampton, not blooming South America. (laughs) However many you can answer, you get a point for each. Is there any kind of clue as to how many there actually are? I tell you what I will tell you. It only happened. We only got past the third round four times. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no we, had a, we had a decent run, didn't we, in the mid-90s somewhere. Got to the fourth round, got to the fifth round, maybe. <laughs> were, they, were, they, were they higher up the pyramid or, or below us? They were, there were no big clubs in there. There's no big clubs in there. We were lower down the league as well. What, did we ever go in at the first round stage in the 90s? No, we must have done because we were in um, League One for a couple of seasons, weren't we? Holy heck. Question six. Who played in goal in the 1987 FA Cup semi-final? Ooh, because I was at Tales from the Vicarage Live and they, were, they discussed that game. And in fact, you discussed it on the podcast afterwards, didn't you? But that was... I know who it was, I know who it was! <laughs> <laughs> Question seven. One point for being in the right decade okay. two points if you get the exact year what year did Watford first play in the FA Cup what year did Watford first play in the FA Cup two points for the exact year one point for the correct decade bonus question point for the nearest team since that year how many games have Watford played in the FA Cup? The team that is the nearest will get a bonus point. On average, we get to round three, I reckon, because remember, we spent most of the first half of the 20th century in the, in the bottom two divisions. So we'd had more chances to win games because we'd have come in at the first round. Question eight. How many times have Watford been knocked out of the FA Cup by Luton? How many times have Watford been knocked out of the FA Cup by Luton? Not in my lifetime, not in my Watford career. No. I remember Hornet Heaven now. <laughs> Just to remember Ollie and his, his Christmas meetings with Luton. Question nine. Who scored this goal in the FA Cup quarterfinal against Arsenal. Now Richardson has got support on both wings. Bardsley, and he's got around Sansom. Has come in. Oh, a fine goal by That's a beauty. And Watford are in front, and the two wingers combine again. There's a clue there at the end, isn't there? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Eagle-eared. Is it eagle-eared? Or would you be owl-eared? I don't think you could be eagle-eared. You're eagle-eyed. Eagle-eyed. All right, you're eagle-eyed then. Well spotted. And question 10. What's the most replays Watford have ever played in the FA Cup tie? What is the most number of replays Watford have ever played in the FA Cup round? Well, Mike, in the post-Bristol City, he talked about going to a replay, but he wasn't able to go to the next replay. Yeah. I want to wonder how many replays there were in that game. That was the Warsaw game in 1987. It was endless. Back in the day, it was endless, yeah. 
There's your 10 questions. Uh, we will have the answers to that later in the podcast to the inaugural From the Rookery End FA Cup quiz. Watford out of the FA Cup, uh, fourth round this year. It's a difficult game to talk about, Mike. Where do you want to start? Do you want to talk about the game generally? I'd really rather not. I mean, it's a very tough watch. I said to Kieran, we went. I mean, obviously it started poorly. We were behind within what three and a half minutes, which obviously isn't the start you want. A in a, in a cup tie, a B away from home, C uh, with the uh, sort of hopefully the bounce that you get from a, from a new manager. So going behind so early was was difficult. I did think for the sort of 15, 20 minutes afterwards. We had some individual um, flashes of or reason for hope. So Richarlison looked looked lively. Carrillo had a little dart into the box, which which looked good. Um, Mariapa was putting himself about a little bit. Carnesis in goal looked fine, but it just wasn't gelling at all. So the individual players looked okay, and I sort of said to Kieran, uh, who was sat next to me, I said, "We look like." Um, we've got the parts, all the constituent parts of a relatively expensive watch. I said a tag hoyer, and he sort of got us down to where I think it was a was it a Seiko or a <laughs> Citizen. So anyway, you get you get the picture. The constituent parts of something that's half decent, but we were carrying it around in a in a plastic Sainsbury's bag, just rattling around all over the place. There was no cohesion, and at no stage during the ninety whatever it was ninety four ninety five minutes, having gone behind, did I think that we were ever going to get back into it. Um, and I think it's down to two basic reasons: one, a lack of um, uh, a lack of belief and a lack of confidence, and two, a lack of quality. Defensively, we look we look threadbare in the middle of the park. Ben Watson, bless him, who was who was captain today, just found it very very difficult from minute one to, to minute ninety. And he was really trying to be captain because he had the biggest arm band, captain armband, the thickest, <laughs> widest armband I've ever seen in my life. I'm the captain. Look, it's quite clear. Yeah, but it was an incredibly difficult game for him, and I think I really like Ben Watson, and I don't have an issue with him being around the club. I don't have him, have a problem with him being a squad player for for Watford as it stands, but to be the captain in an away game where you need a big performance um, I think it shows exactly where we're at as a football club and uh, yeah the whole thing was was really disappointing we've gone out of the FA Cup we spoke on the way up here about how excited we were about the FA Cup and how important it was we've done the quiz and all that sort of stuff It's we're here because it's the FA Cup we've made the, we've made a special effort to, to be here and all travel up together where where perhaps we might just meet, meet at the ground ordinarily so disappointing to go out but I couldn't help but think while watching it We've got to play Stoke in the week. They have had a new manager. They've had a little bounce. If we play like this up there, we're going to get rolled over and the Premier League is going to look very, very difficult. The Premier League table is going to look bad for us. Yeah, and you keep going about that Premier League table, Mike. And you know you absolutely right. We are in a relegation battle. I'm not denying when you said that last couple of weeks, but we're not the only ones. There are 10 other clubs that are in this. And I'm not saying that's a reason for us to be it's fine it's fine but there are lots of club in the same place as are it's not going to be a huge difference yes the bounce we got off Harry hasn't happened yet hopefully but we've got to play there's a lot of teams around us 10 below us already yes only within a win um, and we could be in 15th if we lose against uh, Stoke in, in the week look okay, we, we're walking away from the ground we know what's been a couple of hours since since the um since the final whistle and everything that uh, surrounded that particular event, which I'm sure we'll get onto, and we were walking back from the from the ground to the train station. We were trying to trying to get positives, and naturally, we're trying to get positives from the from the Watford point of view. But one of the <laughs> biggest positives we can find is that Southampton were absolutely appalling as well. And I think you're absolutely right to say that yes, we're in a, a relegation scrap, but we have to recognise that there are ten other sides in exactly the same state as us. And a chap overheard us in the in the pub. We were talking, and admittedly, we're being very doom and gloom and very down, and talking relegation was the watchword. And he said, "Look, all the teams below us have got to score, have win at least two more games than we have. So if we win a game, everyone else, at least a couple of teams below us, have got to win three. And as it ticks on." That, that, that becomes incrementally harder. So I think you're absolutely right to point out that everyone else is scrapping for it as well. My, the, the real worry I have is that everyone below us has probably been building for this. They've understood that the fight they're in from a much earlier stage than, than we have. 
and therefore they've been girding their loins, if you like, for a relegation scrap where we've just sort of found ourselves, we've turned up to pick up our, our brother uh, from a party really late. We're stone cold sober and everyone else is coming out swinging. Um, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense yeah, at all? I, I get you, absolutely, Mike. And that, that is the hard thing, but you, you hope that the new map, that's, maybe that's the, a big reason why the Potts has made the manager, managerial change now because with the same manager in the same place, thing, not enough was going to change. And, and maybe that was the, the, the actual reason, that the, the, sort of the trigger that made the, the, it happen last weekend when uh, Marco was, uh, was sacked and, and they bring in uh, Javi. But Colin, you know, when you look at that starting 11, uh, we've talked about Ben playing and, and Kapu being in the middle. Um, you'd say they both didn't have, uh, Ben didn't have a good game and Kapu didn't have a good game in the position he was meant to play. But that just purely must surely only just come down from the fact that Javi didn't have a wide enough range of players to pull from because of the massive, huge injury list we've got. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think in midfield we were really, we are really thin without Cleverly, Chalabar, and Hughes. Those were the last two standing central midfielders to play alongside Decore. But the problem when you play Ben Watson and Capu in the same side is that they slow the game down there's no dynamism in midfield there's no engine room we were without an engine room and so I think that's one of the reasons we looked so uh, much like just a, a series of individuals on a football pitch trying to do something but not doing it together as a team because the ball didn't flow through midfield either out to the flanks or up to the front and we chose to pick a single striker which I think surprised some people because he's got a reputation for playing two up front when he was at Malaga and so on and I thought it was an obvious opportunity for him in a cup game okay his first game which is always difficult to play a Carker and Gray up front with Dini ill of course we played the second half with those two players on the pitch but it seemed to me that he was trying to kind of create a consistency of system for the players and to say right this is how we're going to play but he had to play Watson and Kapu in midfield and that didn't really work for us because there was no dynamism we were so slow and ponderous in transition and the Premier League is, seems to be all about transition these days and we were really really poor at it uh, there was a lot of aimless balls going astray lots of players running making runs and then the ball being passed behind them and then they're standing there going why did you pass it there oh, you can see me I was running so it was very frustrating to watch it was frustrating that we conceded so early it's very frustrating that we lost and that we didn't really ever look we didn't really have a 20 minute period where we thought right this is the look at them they're on it then uh, he brought on uh, Akaka Actually, that's the only thing we can sort of say about um, our new fella, Javi, is that he brought on Akaka at half-time. He made a change, what you would consider, quickly. Yeah, he did. He, did. he, he took off Kapu, brought on Akaka, which, which means that then we've got Decore and Watson and two wingers as our midfield. And the problem with that is that Carrillo and Richarlison are not really midfielders. They are wingers and they like to support the now front two and we did then look very thin but we were playing at a much higher tempo because we were trying to get back in the game so in a way that pushed Southampton further back and they I mean I have to say Southampton was so poor it's not surprising that they're that that far down the uh, down the down the table nevertheless the, the problems of the first half seemed to remain in that we looked disconnected and we weren't didn't seem like a team like a uni he hasn't been able to do that yet I mean he hasn't had much time so we, we can't really complain about that and also he brought on Sinclair who, who did a couple of quite good things but by then it was all sort of all out kind of crazy just chuck forwards on and see if we can get a goal and it, I mean, we Southampton went definitely defensive uh, and they did one substitution <clears throat> which got a massive boo from their uh, yeah. their crowd uh, when it went they went a defensive move with at least 25 if not 30 minutes left to go I think that's worth flagging up because I think it was Buffal who came off and they, and they brought a defen def defender on yeah Yoshida came on and I think perhaps instead of I don't think perhaps it was as chaotic as uh, chaotic might be the wrong word, Cobb, um, but I think maybe we give Gracias some credit in as much as they're sitting back. We can afford now to, to throw three on, go three at the back, despite looking sh pretty shonky defensively. Let's go three at the back. It's a cup game. Let's put uh, let's put some extra attacking players on there. And I thought Jerome Sinclair actually did did quite well initially. And this this tells you how far he how far Watford have or how deep rooted the problems are. The fact that he was able to control the ball and move forward a couple of yards actually made him stand out. I thought and cross it. Yeah, you know he he looked like absolutely he looked like capable. He looked like he was in control of all his faculties, all his footballing <laughs> faculties. And and he actually stood out because he was able to do the basics 
correctly and yeah okay he had a shot and it went miles over and a cross come shot and it, it certainly did come off for him I wouldn't say that he's he's sort of allayed any of our fears in terms of what we've got up front um, but in terms of the, the the boss and the head coach's debut I think that we knew leading up to this when we and we we spoke before the game how much we've all talked in whether it's amongst ourselves on uh, on on the media or whatever about how bad it's got under Marco Silva. So to expect it to just turn round in five days, uh, six days, whatever it is, was was never never likely. And I think that the, the problems are so deep rooted and and some of them are so so basic if you like that they're, they're injuries. You can't do anything about injuries. All of a sudden he's not going to. Yes, you can. You can have your own ideas about how the team performs. Yes, you can have your own ideas about their their commitment and all that sort of stuff. But what you cannot do is bring players back who are who are unable to, to play a part. And I think that was potentially our biggest downfall today was that it was a, a team that was incredibly low on confidence, just evidently low on confidence. And there was just nothing, you know, there's a there's a big, big Watford crowd there today. And, you know, we were excited about today. It's a cup, the, the, the shackles are off, it's a cup game. The biggest thing, I suppose, that not a confident team certainly showed a frustrated team at the end of the game. Cabaselli uh, came over. They, they they came over to their round of applause, but he came a bit nearer and he he wanted to have a conversation with someone. Colin. Yeah, he came over and he was sort of applauding us, Cabaselli, and then he obviously noticed a couple of fellows that were giving him the bird, and then he was he looked a bit surprised by that and was like, hold on a minute, and then he went to try to shake their hands, and and a couple of them did shake his hand, but one guy I think was having a bit of a go at him, and then. And then uh, Holobas came over, and I'll pass you back to Mike. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ready, steady, go. I was a touch disappointed by uh, Mr. Holobas's um, response, and yeah, I think Colin has explained it perfectly. Christian Cabasella came over to sort of—I think it was a very apologetic. He sort of approached very slowly, sort of head bowed, sort of just saying, giving it that sort of clap. Because you know, let's face facts: as supporters, we we can be a touchy bunch. We do complain when players just disappear off down the tunnel, especially after a poor performance. So he did the right thing in coming over, and it was very conciliatory, I think. And he was just saying, "Look, apologies, thanks for coming out." And he probably was about to dish his shirt into the crowd, like like I noticed Lady Mariapa did. But yeah, there was people who took umbrage, I think, and took the opportunity to to share with uh, Mr. Cabaselli their views on the the Watford performance as a whole. He tried to explain, "Look, we give, we obviously we tried to give of our best," and he was he was. You know, tapping his heart, saying we, we we gave everything we got. Ben Watson came and pulled him away, and then from 20 yards away, in came Mr. Jose Holomas. And you know, you'll see it. You'll have seen it on Twitter. If you're a Watford supporter, you, you will have seen the clip by the by the time you listen to this. But it, effectively, he was incredibly upset, evidently, and there was an altercation with the fan. He was basically saying, "Get yourself over the barrier, and we'll sort this out here and now, like men in the old-fashioned way." Uh, put them up, put them up. Uh, it was incredibly unseemly. It was, and I was cross. I was, I was pretty furious because, yeah, really, because I was incredibly frustrated by the performance. I thought it was lacklustre, and I thought we we probably deserved to expect a little bit better um, from some of uh, some of the more experienced amongst the squad. And I, I count Holobas as one of them. I think he's probably he's looking. He should be looking to play himself into into contention. Frustrations are always high with him. He's a he's a marmite character, isn't he? And and having had a chance to think about it, what I do like about Holobas is is his fire, his passion, and and he evidently cares. And I'd I'd probably argue if I was his lawyer or barrister, I'd say the reason he he, he charged in was to say to that supporter or that group of supporters look we're doing our best out of here this isn't helpful I don't appreciate it but as a supporter who's spent time and money away from my my family um, I didn't see my boy play football this morning I spent money on the train I spent money on an incredible amount of money and beer at Waterloo <laughs> if you're listening and you're at the, uh, the concourse at Waterloo do not buy your tins from there it's very expensive I digress but you know we've invested some time and effort and like we do every time we go and see Watford it was a pretty poor performance I saw Andre Gray come towards the, the Watford fans. He obviously saw that they were sort of a few faces twisted in displeasure, if you like. He thought, this isn't, this isn't the time for a round of applause and to chuck your boot in the crowd. This is the time. Turn around, get in the dressing room, let's all get home uh, and deal with it when we get home. So I'm disappointed that, that Holobas didn't do that. I think 
we deserve better than for our for our support for our players to be fronting up to us. I think picking up on that is absolutely right, and I think there's a sort of invisible barrier between fans and players, and there are moments when it's all right to kind of cross that barrier. Or normally, when you've done something brilliant, you've won a game, and in the situation it was today, it was unfortunate that 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 there was an attempt to kind of cross that invisible barrier. But I would say this, in defence of the players. Despite the, the paucity or the lack of quality in the performance, the heads didn't go down. There was, there, was a, there was a fight right to the last minute. They were still trying to create chances in, in extra time, injury time. That's something that they have a right to say, hold on a minute. You know, I don't, you, can, you can boo us and you can shout at us if we, if we haven't really turned up. Of course, if they hadn't turned up and if they had put their heads down, they probably would have just all gone down the, down the tunnel. But they had worked really hard. They had run themselves sort of into the ground. And it just hadn't, hadn't come together. It hadn't worked. So although I totally disagree with the idea that you should interact with fans in a situation like that, because I think it just leads to more trouble and more chaos in the club. And, you know, they've got to fine him probably or they've got to reprimand him. Uh, I can see why they were frustrated with the response because they had worked hard, they had tried to work hard. The other thing I want to say is that there is a positive, which is... Please find it. Please find the positive. OK, so the positive is this. We're not going to sign a player by Wednesday of any real kind of first-team quality, I don't suppose. But what we do have, which I think other teams down in the relegation scrap uh, perhaps don't have, not entirely sure because I'm not fully cognizant with all the facts but what we do have we have three central midfielders of real quality who will come back and play football matches in this season and they will help us in Chalabar Cleverly and Hughes and we've also got Firminia to come back who is a first team starter in my mind and so we've got four signings if you want sitting somewhere uh on a gurney being massaged or getting back into, into full training. I think Kabul was back in full training. Uh, I think Chalabar's back on running on grass. You know, we, we, had, we do have this quality to come back and I think that's something that we can feel positive about in the next 14 games because undoubtedly we are entering a relegation scrap. I don't think we're going to talk about the relegation scrap anymore this week because we, we're trying to make this a positive podcast. Um, should, we do the, should we do the answers to the, to the, to the quiz? Let's finish the podcast with a bit of fun. The, uh, the answers, as we had our way back to London from Southampton to our FA Cup, Watford FA Cup quiz. Question one was, uh, what do Garbett, Riley, Allen, Gale, Bawatza and Dini all have in common? They all scored in FA Cup semi-finals. Both of us got it right. Yeah, okay. got right. Excellent, one point each. How many goals did Watford score in the run towards the FA Cup final in 1984? Kentish Town Horns put nine, the others put 11. The answer is 15. We scored the replay. So it was 2-2 and 4-3 to Watford. Six in the third round, two in the fourth. If you don't include the replay, that is 11, so we should get that. No, uh, that is not how it's going to work. Three against Brighton, three against uh, Birmingham, one against Plymouth and none against Everton. Question three. Name all the stadiums Watford have played an FA Cup semi-final in. The answer are three. Well, that wasn't the question, though, was it? The question wasn't the name, the number. Hang on, I haven't told you if you're fair. wrong yet. I haven't told you if you're wrong yet, and you're trying to no, fight me for an answer. You haven't told me I'm wrong because I'm not wrong, so that's glad we clarified. The answers are, the first game we ever played in the FA Cup semi-final was White Hart Lane in 1970. Villa Park in 84, 87, 2003 and 2007. And then we played at Wembley. So it's Wembley, Villa Park and also White Hart Lane. I will let you have it even if you wrote down four because we didn't play at Stamford Bridge. You've both got a point for that question, okay? There's there's an uneasy truce. There's an uneasy truce. Question four. In 1970, Watford and Manchester United were the first club to do what in the FA Cup? The answer is... I think it must be something to do with substitutions. To play in a third-place playoff final. They were in fact five between 1970 and 1975 and Watford against Manchester United was the first. We lost 2-0 against Manchester United. Also, can I just say, entirely pointless game of football? <laughs> no, you, get a, a, you probably get a, a medal or somewhere along there. Uh, question uh, five. For a point each, name the teams that Watford knocked out in the FA Cup in the 1990s. In 1990, we beat Wigan. In, 19, yeah, in 1995, we beat Scarborough and Swindon. I went, to that game. I went to the Scarborough game as well, and I forgot it. I went to the away one, nil-nil. Yeah, the McCain Chip Stadium, what it was called. Yeah. In 1997, 
<laughs> we beat Northampton, Ashton Town, and Oxford United. Do you know what? I got hit by an elderly woman at the Northampton away game. <laughs> with an umbrella? No, with, with a handbag. Because we were... Um, we were in the. We were in the. Uh, we were. We were guests. I have got a friend who's uh, who lives locally, and I think he, he sponsored the. Uh, he sponsored someone close to Northampton. Yeah, so we got invited to the players players lounge, and we were sat in in decent seats, obviously in Northampton end. Darren Baisley scored from outside the uh, outside the box with a curling effort. Me and Andy were younger. We didn't know any better than to than to celebrate. We tried to sit on hands, didn't work. Celebrated. This woman, we sat down. This woman said, "What on earth are you doing in in, in this stand? Clumping with a handbag? <laughs> Appalling!" Don't you? Why did that memory not come back when we said, "What are your favourite memories of the FA Cup, Mike?" Because I got hit with a handbag. And in 1998, Barnet and Torquay. I got Barnet. Is there? I swear to God, I wrote Barnet. Is it not there? It's not on this bit of paper, Colin. Oh, oh no, it's not there. <laughs> Brentford, not Barnet. I thought about it as well. <laughs> I think your tactic at one point, Colin, to write down every single of the 92 clubs was, was one way of getting it. Question six. Who played in goal in the 1987 FA Cup semi-final? The answer is Gary Plumley. Uh, I got that wrong. The wine waiter. What year did Watford first play in the FA Cup? You got a point if you got the right decade. Two points if you got exactly the right year. The year was 18... Yes. 80... No. Six. We lost at home to Swindon Town. Bonus point for the team that got nearest to how many games have Watford played in the FA Cup since 1886. um, Happy A Company said? Uh, They said 170. And the Kentish Horn said? 148. The answer, (laughs) that's already quite low. We played, amazingly, in that time, 348. We've won 160 and lost 120 of those. <laughs> 121 now, unfortunately. We are on our way back, yes, definitely. OK, question number eight. How many times have Watford been knocked out of the FA Cup by Luton? The answer is five. The thing is, one was in 18, 18, uh, 1899, one was in 1900, one was in 1902, one was in 1904, and the nearest time was in 1985. Number nine, who scored this goal? Now Richardson has got support on both wings. Bardsley, and he's got around Sansom. has come in. Oh, a fine goal by That's a beauty. And Watford are in front, and the two wingers combine again. What did the Kentish Horns say? Uh, the Kentish Horns say uh, Colin and Flo said uh, Nigel Callaghan. They said? Johnny Barnes. The answer is John Barnes. Luther Blissett scored the other goals in that tie. Uh, and question 10. What is the most number of replays Watford have ever had in an FA Cup tie? What did the Kentish Horns say? They came in with a hat-trick, three. Also three. And the answer is? Three. Yeah. Uh, against uh, Newcastle United in 88-89. Uh, 0-0, 2-2. Nil-nil and one-nil, but uh, and that was all between the seventh and the eighteenth of January. Plus, we played West Brom in the league at the same time. So a stupid number of games in uh, the course of eleven days. No bonus points. That was, of course, the tie where a player scored for Watford two years in a row. Once for Newcastle, which Glenn Roder scored uh, to win us the uh, that FA Cup round, uh, and he also scored for us in the following year when he was a Watford player. So that concludes from the Rookery End inaugural FA Cup. Watford quiz. I don't know if I can do another quiz out of this because there's not that many facts about Watford in the FA Cup. Uh, how many did the... The Happy Egg Company scored seven. And the Kentish Horn scored. Michael, let's look. I think, I think you've got a hat-trick. I think it's three. Four. Four, I beg your pardon. Recount, you can have a recount. Yes, the answer is four. Well done. Uh, it was a challenging quiz. Uh, but the winners, uh, and also winners... See, I of they a point dogs, because they put four venues for semi-finals. They still won, Colin. Uh, the <laughs> the winner of the first quiz and also a winner of a T-shirt from the brand new companies just start up the gold and black tees. Your guys, you get a choice of what T-shirt you get to wear. If you want to get a, a T-shirt, you can go to goldandblack.tmill.com. They've got a bunch of T-shirts on there that are Watford themed, uh, and they they give us one to give away for this quiz. So. Congratulations to the Happy Egg Company for winning the first ever from the Rookwind FA Cup Watford Quiz. Round of applause.
from the rookery end. So, Kieran, we, we head off um, after that great quiz uh, that I wrote, thanks to Ollie, uh, Lionel and Jason. We're off to Stoke uh, in the week on Wednesday. They're in the, the battle with us. If you could right now guarantee anything out of that game, what would you want it to be? You mean apart from three points? Do you have to have to be three points? Does it have to be three points? Well, you said anything that I'd like to guarantee. I'd like a guaranteed three points, but obviously that's not going to happen. But I think, you know, the guys have already spoken about how disappointing the, the cup tie was today. I just think I want to see better. I want to see a team that shows a little bit more more confidence. I think that was one of the biggest things in the Southampton game was that we looked like a team devoid of that. So I want to see a team go to Stoke who themselves have had a really poor run themselves have got a new manager and we go there and, and we put in a performance and show that you know today was just a blip and that we actually do still have a lot of fight we still have quality and we are still able to produce results against teams that in my opinion are worse than we are we'll be back uh, for next one the rookie end after Watford play Chelsea we're not quite sure when that will be <laughs> it might be uh, the Monday night at this rate because um, there is no Watford replay in the FA Cup we hope this, this, this sort of journey with uh, with Javi uh, is, is find another step, another place to go. We're in it now. The the FA Cup was a sort of bit of frippery that we could we could enjoy. We haven't got that luxury anymore. No, we're just uh, speaking off mic to Colin there about how I felt this was the first time, certainly this season, the first time in a long time actually, that the Watford supporters had made their their feelings vocal en masse. It felt like there was a lot of disappointment, a lot of worry, concern, and yeah, a bit of overt anger I suppose with, with the way things are going Colin's response was well, I think was, was absolutely right it's too early to be feeling like that we've now recognised we're in a fight and what, what do you do as a, as a football club as a football supporter you, you, you line up shoulder to shoulder and you, you take on the challenge um, you say bring it on and you do the best to do the best to, to make sure it ends in a decent decent result for us so we're in a fight now I think we've, hopefully, as supporters, everyone's got it out of their system today. Hopefully the players have got it out of their system because that was fine. We can, we can blow this one off. It's, we're, we're not in the next round of the FA Cup, which is disappointing, as we've said. But we need to be better at Stoke next week. We just need to improve from here on now. And I think this needs to be a real line in the sand. I'm cross. I was disappointed with, with, it, with, with the performance today. I was disappointed with a whole load of aspects about today. But after today's finish, we need to brush ourselves off, start again and just start doing things properly again, you know? Let's not get sort of sucked down into the mire that we're a crisis club, everything, the wheels are falling off. Yep, things aren't going our way at the moment, our backs are against the wall, but either we sort of just get grumpy, get miserable and start talking about relegation being a certainty, or we crack on and um, we sort of remind people that we, we don't think we're here just to make up the numbers and that we can we can do things in this division and that we're a, we're a football club worth knowing about, worth talking about, worth hearing about. So... Yeah, disappointing, tired, emotional, had enough of today for sure. Um, and quite a lot of beer. <laughs> Kieran, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me. Uh, and where can we find you again on your uh, Women's Soccer Zone? Uh, womenssoccerzone.com, Twitter at WoSoZone. Thank you very much, Colin. Thank you very much. And thank you, Michael. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> Come on, you horns. <laughs>